athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to My press row, how, how is your host, like one of those Donald Ware. You know, <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special special moment. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, black playwrights. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Before we got the word that Chadwick Boseman had passed away last week, we had already gone off the air. And I'll tell you what, you talk about, and, and of course you heard him there. We're going to replay a little bit more of that interview that we had with Chadwick Boseman. As a matter of fact, that goes back to 2014, right before his role as James Brown in the movie Gone Up. He played iconic figures, Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson. You talk, I mean, this is like Kobe Bryant. This 2020 has been rough. You talk about Kobe Bryant going back all the way to January. We got the announcement of that starting off the year to the coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic to now Chadwick Boseman. And when I think of Chadwick Boseman, I mean, I, you know, I, the encounter, the one time I had an opportunity to speak with him was during that time on this program back in 2014. I was very much very impressed with him, especially with the way that he talked about Howard University and what Howard University meant to him. The fact that he was taught by Felicia Rashad, a fellow Howard alum. And those that don't know who Felicia Rashad is played the role, most notably, that is, of Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show. And again, I was just he just beyond his years, like he was 43 years old. And, and the thing about it had no idea. And, and I'm in sh- the general public really had no idea that he was dealing with colon cancer for all of those years, got diagnosed in 2016 and for all of those years had a lot more roles including perhaps his most iconic role in Black Panther but he I mean this Tadwick Bozeman was on his I mean he was or I mean you and, and again going back to the deal about being so young 43 years old that is young especially for him and that's why you're hearing all of the outpouring from all over the world. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to remember him from Black Panther because that movie was so big time and he in the and the role that he played in that. But 
you know, I mentioned all of those other movies. There's a plethora of other movies that he also played in, and there's still some, uh, uh, at least one movie that's going to be released posthumously that he played in. And just a big, big, big loss, uh, and, 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 and it's just unbelievable. I mean, again, you're talking about a, a young guy that was 43 years old, one of the great young actors of our time, on his way to being perhaps one of the all-time iconic actors. Again, you mentioned the roles, Black Panther, Get On Up, 42, Marshall, so many roles. And so we're going to replay part of that interview with Chadwick Boseman today here on the program. Speaking of people passing away, John Thompson, former head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. And I grew up in the Washington area. So like my favorite teams coming up collegiately were Georgetown and Maryland. And I can remember those days with Georgetown and how great those teams were. I don't remember the Hoyas as much winning that national championship in 84 against Houston, who had Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. I don't remember the loss to Carolina going back to 82. James Worthy, Michael Jordan, then a freshman for the Tar Heels hitting that big shot. I don't remember those as much. I remember the loss to Villanova in 85 when Georgetown was heavily favored. Here comes Villanova out of nowhere and knocks off Georgetown to win the national championship. When I think about that Georgetown program and how great it was for all of those years under John Thompson, I remember vividly him walking off the court to protest the NCAA regulation Proposition 48 or Prop 48 as it was known. I mean, you talk about the essence of Washington, D.C., then you're talking about John Thompson, who was so iconic, not only growing up in Washington, but just nationally for the stands that he took, for the respect that he had. You talk about, I mean, one of the things that I remember more so is the fact that Allen Iverson went to Georgetown because of John Thompson. John Thompson saved Allen Iverson's life. There were so many great things about this man. And and again, I was younger, right? But I can remember my parents talking about John Thompson, talking about that Georgetown program. Uh, You know, again, I remember the Prop 48 deal with him walking off the court and just a huge Georgetown fan. I can remember one year we went to a Wendy's that was in, uh, Maryland, matter of fact, in Hyattsville, Maryland, which I grew up first in Hi- in Hyattsville, more specifically in Lewisdale, then ultimately moved to Silver Spring. And this may have been before, maybe before we moved to Silver Spring, or maybe we had gone back to Hyattsville. I'm not sure, but at a Wendy's restaurant, I had a chance to to uh, to see David Wingate. That was like at, at, as a young kid. This must have been, I mean, it was mid '80s, so I was like nine, ten, something like that. I mean, that was an extreme joy, right? David Wingate of the Georgetown Hoyas, seeing him in that Wendy's, right? 
<laughs> went up and had a chance to just talk to him briefly. My mother, it was my mother, myself, and my sister. Um, and, uh, and that was just, you know, just, just a great, I, I think we, I think I got an autograph. I mean, it was just a great, I had Georgetown. Matter of fact, I, I have to go back. Like I have, for those that grew up in Washington during those times, you're going to remember what I'm talking about when I talk about those Georgetown Hoya, uh, cards, the basketball cards, like they were, they were sponsored by the DC Metropolitan Police Department and they were Georgetown cards. Like I had, I have to go back and look. But I had like a bunch of them, a whole stack of the whole team from that Georgetown team may have been 80. It made it was either 84, 85, 85, 86 or 86 and 87. So Georgetown was so big time. Uh, yes, the story is true. Told Rayful Edmond, those who, who are from Washington are going to know, especially during that time, who Rayful Edmond was one of the biggest Drug dealers really in the country told Rayful Edmond to stay away from his Georgetown players. And Rayful Edmond stayed away. Like, that's how much clout John Thompson had. Again, a native Washingtonian. He's going to be missed. So we're going to talk a little bit more about John Thompson and his legacy also today here on the program. Let me set the table for you. We're going to talk some National Football League today on the program. Steve Weich of NFL Network going to join us on the program. Uh, Steve is a graduate of Howard, so we're going to talk uh, with him a little bit about Chadwick Bozeman. He, having uh, being a Howard grad, he also was a he was on the beat of the Washington Wizards for about four or five years with the Washington Post. So, going to talk with Steve Weich also about the life and times, the legacy of John Thompson. Also today here on the program, the NASCAR Cup Series Championship playoffs begin on Sunday at Darlington. And going to replay part of an interview that I had earlier in the week with Kurt Busch, 2004 Cup Series champion, and a veteran 20 years in. So going to also talk or replay part of a conversation that I had with Kurt Busch a little bit earlier on in the week. Going to replay that interview today here on the program. Your participation always warranted here on Box to Row. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Let me replay part of that interview with Chadwick Bozeman that we had Back in 2014, right here on From the Press Box I mentioned to Press you portrayed Pro. Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. I mean, you're I mean, that's big time. You're portraying two big time iconic uh, persons in 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 world history. Uh, quite frankly, how, how much did preparing and, and actually uh, being Jackie Robinson in the movie 42 help to prepare you for this role and get on up in, in being James Brown? Uh. The discipline, you know, Jackie Robinson himself had a lot of discipline, and I think, you know, the principles that that he used, you know, I'm sort of using as as my training training ground, and um, I think, you know, I had to get up in the morning and uh, and lace them up the same way, the same exact way, like it, it's, I was lacing up cleats to go to baseball practice. In this case, I was lacing up leather shoes. 
to go dance. And so, you know, you see the same, you know, research process of reading and talking to, talking to people. It's the same process. I think you have to do that if you're doing a biopic. You have to study the person and you have to um, Rest in peace know, to Chadwick Boseman, well who appeared right here on From the Press Box to Press Row back in 2014. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, more tribute to Chadwick Boseman, plus more thoughts on the life and times of John Thompson, who passed away also former head men's basketball coach at Georgetown and uh, an iconic Iconic figure. Boy, 2020 has been rough. Also, a conversation with NASCAR driver Kurt Busch. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to switch gears and talk National Football League with Steve Weich of NFL Network. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Hey, what happened to all the Marjorie's beef jerky? Hey, what's up, bro? It was you, wasn't it? What was? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You ate all the Marjorie's beef jerky, didn't you? Yeah, so what? That was mine. Dad just bought that for me yesterday. Don't worry, I'll just go online and buy some more. No big deal. Wait, you can just go online and buy more? Well, in that case, I'm going to buy the original orange teriyaki and sweet and spicy. But I do expect you to pay me back for all that beef jerky you ate. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at marjoriesbeefjerky.com that's marjoriesbeefjerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613 Marjorie's Beef Jerky the best beef jerky on the planet you're listening to from the press box to press row Let's talk some National Football League here on From the Press Box. The press row, and to do that, we're joined by a gentleman. As a matter of fact, you can see him on NFL Network, Inside Training Camp, and NFL Total Access. He also has a new podcast that is coming out. He's going to talk more about that Huddle and Flow podcast. He's a Howard grad. He's the one and only Steve Weich joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Steve? Hey, man, I love the energy. Um, I'm excited for football season to be here. Shame we're not going to have most HBCUs playing, but, man, it's, you know, we're always trying to represent, so thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Always glad to have you. And, and it's interesting you, you mentioned that in terms of the HBCUs in college football. I mean, I wasn't sure 
that the National Football League was going to play, but it certainly, obviously, they are. You know, to this at this point, speak to some of the the protocols that the league is putting in place to keep players safe. There's not going to be fans, right? So, so for games, some stadiums, depending on their market, with local health officials saying there'll be 15 to 20 percent full, you know, stadium full of fans. So that that's a good thing, you know, as long as everybody follows the rules. That's a good thing. Um, in terms of with players, you know, they're testing every day. Players, coaches, staffers. So if someone tests positive, they know how to isolate them. They know how to locate them. They know who they've been around. So that's working. I think there's been four positive uh, tests over the past three weeks of players and I think six staffers or, or coaches, you know, all people in the building. So that's good um, in terms of keeping the numbers down. You're thinking about 2,500 players plus probably another thousand or so staffer so something besides the testing it's just once they get off the practice field the sanitizing of things like mouthpieces and helmets i mean the cleanliness aspect of it the the distancing aspect of it away um from the actual field but i think the thing with the players and people need to be saluted most is when they go home because typically a lot of these players in training camps these teams stay in hotels or dormitories. Well, most teams are allowing their players to go home now. So the fact that they're staying home and their their family members or whomever they're going home to or going home with, they're also taking care of themselves. That's a very, very positive sign and why there's so much encouragement now that they're going to get 16 games in, the, the full slate of games. I, I think before, when people were talking 10-12 optimistic, I think that, that, that number, those goalposts are moving a little bit more in the optimistic direction. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Um, yeah, it, it definitely looks, you know, it, be honest with you, almost sort of snuck up on me because, I mean, we're, we're here. I mean, we're talking about next week starting uh, National Football League play. So uh, some of the storylines, and, and there are plenty to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the, the situation in Chicago uh, with the starting quarterback deal. Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, you know, uh, Nagy, Matt Nagy has to make a decision here. Uh, they brought Nick Foles in. Your thoughts and who ultimately starts week one? Yeah, this is this is a, an interesting. I think it's going to be Trubisky who starts week one. He's familiar with the system. He knows what he's up against because um, they can always go to Nick Foles. I don't know if it's necessarily in reverse. If you start Foles and that doesn't work, okay, that looks like a catastrophe because you acquired him in a trade. And then you're the guy you drafted second overall. He's coming off the bench. So, trust me, a lot of NFL decisions come because of things like this, because of optics, because of people staking their, their reputation to things um, on the line for a certain player. So I, I think it's easier that way. Plus, Trubisky got a little bit more familiarity with the, with the personnel. So unless he's just had a bad camp and Foles has been really good, I think it'll be Trubisky with Nick Foles, the possibility to come off the bench. We, knew, we know Foles has that great postseason pedigree, but he's also someone who's been hurt a lot. Um, and, you know, it, it's just – it's a weird dynamic. You know, Matt Nagy said he's not going to tell the media who his starter's going to be before kickoff, um, even though the players, of course, will know who it is and it will probably leak out. But it's, you know, it's an interesting scenario. I, to me, regardless of who their quarterback is, that team still has got a long way to go before it threatens a team like the Vikings or Packers in that division. Yeah, interestingly enough, first year, you know what, 12-4 and four playoff. I mean, aside that missed field goal – you know, would, would have certainly right. moved on. Yeah, and it's sort of not uh, not necessarily been great since then. Um, the Chiefs. So you, you talk about the world champions. 
not only do the Chiefs make the move with Patrick Mahomes signing him, and I want to get your thoughts on that, but also what, Andy Reid gets a long-term extension as well as the general manager? Yeah, I mean, it only makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't you? Ever since Andy Reid arrived, pre-Patrick Mahomes, they've been a a consistent playoff contender. He's established the type of culture. And then bringing along Brett Veach, remember when Andy John and then Dorsey moved on and went to Cleveland. Um, and then Veach comes in, who was a disciple of Dorsey, um, and works hand in hand. So it, it was absolutely wise to lock them up. Don't even flirt with that being a potential distraction. You know, hey, coach going into his final year, are you worried about this? Just get it taken care of. Why would you even want that to be any type of lingering decision? So that was fantastic. And don't even think, don't just leave it at Patrick Mahomes getting his deal done. They got the lineman Chris Jones done as well. And they got Travis Kelsey done. So here's the Super Bowl champions just spending boatloads of money. But with Kelsey and Mahomes, because they understand the culture that Andy Reid and Brett Veach have built there, they took cap-friendly deals in the first few years of their deals to be able to accommodate Chris Jones getting signed and other players getting taken care of. So that's something we really haven't seen since Patriot players have done that. Because remember, Tom Brady was never among the top 25 highest paid guys. So the fact that they were willing to do that goes a lot to say about everything they're building there in Kansas City. Steve White, you can check him out on NFL Network on the program's Inside Training Camp and NFL Total Access, also a new podcast uh, forthcoming, Huddle and Flow Podcast. We're going to talk more about that, talking National Football League here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson, what a phenomenal season that he had uh, in 2019. Um, Do you feel like the Ravens uh, are ready to, to make that next step and challenge uh, the Chiefs, who, of course, are the defending champs. Yes. And look, these, these guys seem to always play each other 19 times a season, even though there's 16 regular season games. It seems like they're always playing one another. And they always have these great games. But yes, the Ravens will be there. I, th- I think if it's not Kansas City representing the AFC, it will be the Ravens. You know, look what the Ravens did. It's like the rich got richer, right? Because they've already got a good running game with Lamar and Mark Ingram. They go out and they get the running back J.K. Dobbins right out of Ohio State to back up Mark Ingram. They're, they're just – their offensive line, they use they, they lose uh, Marshall Yanda, but they've got a good replacement. And then defensively, why didn't, the, why didn't the Ravens make it to the Super Bowl? Because Tennessee ran all over them. So they go out and they get Calais Campbell, right? They draft a linebacker who is just a perfect – I think Patrick Queen out of LSU. Perfect fit to stop the run and to do some other things. Now, the Earl, Tom, Earl Thomas loss on the back end because of his behavior, we'll see how that impacts him because he, he was a very good player for them. But I, I really, really like Baltimore. And, again, you talk about culture. Another team, there's not a lot of coaching turnover, not a lot of front office turnover. You keep that consistency when you've got elite players. Um, you're going to have you're going to be around in that playoff hunt every year. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the teams, and you mentioned the Titans for our listeners in Nashville on WFSK. Made the run all the way to the AFC Championship game. Was that – I mean, I, I know you say, okay, the, you think the Ravens can take that next step. What about the Titans this year? Was that – did they sort of overachieve last year? Is that something they can repeat in 2020? 
That's the big question because, you know, Ryan Tannehill came in and threw the life preserver because Marcus Mariota, just, that everything was stalling, right? So he comes in, he has this really good season, high, this high passer completion and passer rating, but, you know, you get to the playoffs, he doesn't have to throw the ball that much because they're riding King Henry. Um, can Ryan Tannehill do that for 16 games? That's, that's the big question mark. They've got, they've got some talent now. They've got running backs, but they've got some wide receivers that I, that I think are excellent. I mean, they, they're not talked about enough, the, the threat. They've got a tight end, and Johnny Smith is explosive. So defensively, they seem to be just rock solid every position. You know, Mike Vrabel defense, they're going to come off. They're going to be physical. They're, they're going to be disciplined, not do a lot of things to bust their integrity. So that, that division to me is what – AFC South is a division that I think is going to be fantastic because if Phillip Rivers can kind of – not be the Philip Rivers he was last year, the Colts are going to be right there. If Philip Rivers is throwing 25 picks, then they're not going to be in it. Houston with Deshaun Watson, you've always got a chance. Yes, they lose DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, Brandon Cooks is a pretty good player. You know, they, they've got some guys who can make plays. So I think those three teams, Jacksonville, they're, they're three years away from being three years away again. But I think those three teams are going to be real intriguing. And, you know, I still like Tennessee. Um, but the Colts are, are a very scary team if Phillip Rivers is not the turnover machine he was last year. Yeah. Let's take things to Tampa. Look at the Bucks for our listeners on WURK. So Tom Brady comes in. I mean, this is a tough – this is an extremely tough division. I mean, you have to really look at the Saints. I know you've talked a lot lately about the Falcons and maybe they, they can yep. make sort of a return. Um, how – I mean, this is a tough division, Steve. Your, your thoughts on Tampa and how they can challenge for that division crown. It's, all, it's always a tough division. I mean, I remember when I covered the Falcons from 05 to 08. Carolina was there. The Saints were there. The Buccaneers, that's when they were really good. So, you know, the, the thing with the Buccaneers, Tom Brady's going to come in. He, the accountability level is going to go next level. You know, Bruce Arians is a tough coach. When you have player accountability, that's when you have success. So Tom Brady is going to escalate that. Um, he's not going to make the turnover. So I think the big question with the Buccaneers is, what type of start will they get out to? Just because there is going to be an adjustment period between how Bruce Arians and Byron Leffitt like to call and scheme the game as opposed to what Tom Brady likes. But throughout the season, they're going to gain the identity. What people aren't giving the Buccaneers credit for is their defense. I mean, they've got players. Okay, you have Shaq Barrett and JPP coming off the corners, two great pass rushers. You've got Ndamukong Sue in the middle. You've got Devin White and Levante David at linebackers. They've got some young players in the secondary. They're going to be problematic. I mean, the Saints have the best defensive talent um, in that division, if not in the NFL. Um, so, you know, those two teams are, you know, like you said, I like the Falcons. I, I actually, I really love the Falcons. I think they've got some good offensive line talent, wide receiver, the stuff they're saying about with Calvin Ridley, the kind of the jump he's making. Um, we'll see once he gets into another team. But the Falcons, it's a matter if they can get consistent pass rush. And their secondary's got some growing pains because A.J. Terrell is going to probably start at one of their corners, the rookie out of Clemson. Um, but another great division. But Tampa, you know, they didn't go out in Tom, to get Tom Brady just to make it to the playoffs. This is a Super Bowl push. The expectations should be very, very high. It's just getting out of this division. And their schedule, the, AFC, the NFC South schedule is brutal. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a grind to get through there. But if Tampa gets to the playoffs – um, again, they're, they're a team, along with the, with the 49ers, uh, the NFC is going to be tough. But to me, those are the two teams right now to, to, to really get through, and the Saints in the NFC. 
Let's step aside, take a break. We're talking NFL with Steve White of NFL Network. Follow him on Twitter at White89. We're back after this. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, this community is is unbelievable. They deserve to have a good team. They deserve to have a good group of guys. And um, I'm excited I get to play for them. You know, they support us in everything we do. And, uh, you know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and and know that you're going to be, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Luda! Now, let me ask you, are you still having nightmares from the Falcons losing the Super Bowl a couple of months ago? (laughs) How dare you? Of course I'm still having nightmares. I'm still going through the morning process. But listen, listen, we're going to... if we gotta make it up, we gotta make it up this year. We gotta, we gotta come back strong, and we have to like literally make up for the loss. That is the voice of seven-time Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson. Oh, it means the world to me. An accomplishment, I guess should, I should say that I, I never thought I would achieve, and to put in a group of drivers with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty is mind-blowing. And then the cool thing is, I still feel like I have quite a few good years left ahead of myself and can maybe get up to eight. We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And, you know, that, that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. That the voice of four-time NBA All-Star John Wall. Um, it's very important, man. Come on, man. Riley, you know, Carolina is born and raised on the South Side. I couldn't ask for nothing more. The little bad kid with nappy braids from the Boys and Girls Club that everybody called Crazy J. One of the best players in the NBA on the highest level and made it from nothing. I couldn't ask for nothing more. To be able to get back to these kids and just give them an opportunity to show them that they can be anything in life. Or you just believe in yourself. Um, I know everything's not perfect right now. You go through tough times, but you want to be a firefighter, a doctor, a basketball player, a soccer player, school teacher, whatever you want to be, just drive and work hard every day about that. And you can accomplish anything in life, but the most important thing is make sure you get an education first. That the voice of the one and only Sheila E. What most comes to your mind when you think about Prince and your time with him? It's not one thing because it's a memory that lasts for over 30 years or so. You know, we were both very young when we met, and I, I met him at the beginning of his career, the very beginning. That's family. It's my friend. It's one big memory of many, many years of Things good and bad. Jim Caldwell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. Uh, he goes 14 and 2. His team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10 and 6. His uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2 and 14 record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business, it is <laughs> because um, that's the thing that I think most people that, that are in it and understand it, it. It's what have you done for me lately? Uh, at that particular year, we didn't win enough games, plain and simple. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. The pressure's all mine. I became my uh, uncle to a lot of these MCs, to the people that love my music, to the, to the game in general, because of the way that I treat people. And I feel like my career is representative of that. That's why the longevity is there. That's why the love is there. And that's why I maintain the status of, you know, being relevant for so many years. 
I'm talking about none other than Tony Dungy. It was even more special to me because I, I remember coming into the league as a player in 1978, and there were only seven uh, African-American coaches in the whole league, assistants. There were no head coaches and just seven assistants. It was special, and then to win it and to always be uh, able to be thought of as the first one to do it, uh, that's going to be something I'll, I'll be proud of for a long time. Joined by Kevin Hart. Right now I'm on cloud nine. This is the time where I'm in demand, so you make the best of it. You pick great products. You get behind them and you put them out. And the goal is to keep them coming. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm trying to become a brand. And within that brand, I need to put myself in a position to become a mogul, to become a business. So that's making sure that you're in control of your destiny. And right now, I am. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, uh, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. All right, we're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're talking NFL with Steve Weich of NFL Network. Check him out on Inside Training Camp as well as NFL Total Access. So uh, let's uh, we, were, we were talking about the NFC South, Carolina Panthers, too many stations to name. We'll throw out two hot 97.9 FM and Buzz Sports Radio in Raleigh and Durham. Uh, the, the Panthers, so, you, you know, Christian McCaffrey, the whole – I don't know. I, I didn't – I mean, I guess – you know, I didn't like the whole deal with Cam Newton. I mean, I got to be honest, that's just my deal. Um, but what do you think? New coach? What 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 will the Panthers look like in 2020? I'll tell you what. They may not be a playoff team, but they're going to be entertaining. They're going to put points up on the board because they've got explosive guys at wide receiver. Teddy Bridgewater, a safe quarterback. He'll throw it downfield from time to time, but he doesn't make mistakes, right? He's a great leader. Doesn't make mistakes. And, again, they've got some receivers and Christian McCaffrey who can hit the home run. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, the Panthers are going to have the first pick next year. No. Um, defensively is where the rebuild is. This is a team that's been built on the back of its defense for years. And, you know, you lose guys like Luke Keekley and Mario Addison and Thomas Davis and, and, and guys like this over the past two years. It's going to take a toll. But every team needs to have that turnover but again, there's going to be just that period. It's against these offenses in this division, where you know, again, they're going to they're going to take their share of hits. But Matt Rule, everything you hear about him is he's not just a college coach coming in here and trying to do this or that. You know, he's got some NFL experience. He's he's the builder of programs, and, and just dealing. Anyone who's dealt with him says he's he's more than up to the task here. So I don't think this is going to be just a, a dumpster fire. In Charlotte, again, it's not going to be maybe a playoff team, but I love Teddy Bridgewater and the weapons he has. No one's talking about him, but they're going to put some points up on the board, and they're going to they're going to make some people think about uh, how good the team's going to be in a couple of years. A couple of more teams: uh, the Steelers for our listeners on WGBN in Pittsburgh. So Ben Roethlisberger comes back. Mike Tomlin, I mean, did a phenomenal job. I mean, that's a Steelers team, and that that team did very well last year. Do you feel like? I know you like the Ravens, that they can challenge the Ravens. And, of course, I know that depends upon what the Browns are going to do also in 2020. They're back to being a defensive-based team, you know, with T.J. Watt and Devin Bush and some of the players they, they have on that defense, Cam Hayward. They're just so good. They're so sound. And this is the way they want to play ball. And if Ben can come out 
and just and be healthy, right? He had that surgery, found that it happened. This, these torn tendons happened years ago, and it's got eventually worse and gradually worse. And he got it fixed. He's apparently looking good. Um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, they've got a solid offensive line. I mean, they're going to be there. With, with, with a healthy Ben, they would have they would have competed for the AFC Championship last year because you saw they're winning games with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Um, so they're, they're, they're a team that should be there. Um, again, I think health is their only real concern. And, Steve, how about the Jacksonville Jaguars? For our listeners in Jacksonville on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. You look at this Jaguars organization. I mean, this was an organization just a couple of years ago that was in the AFC Championship game, an organization that looks like the future was ahead of it. And now, I like, I don't know what is going on in Jacksonville. No, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think the Jaguars are three years away from being three years away. Okay, everyone talks about you know, how they just traded away Yannick Ngakwe and they, they got a first-round pick. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, they got, what, a second and third from the Vikings. You know, they got two first-rounders from Jalen Ramsey. That trade last year, they just cut Leonard Fournette. And all I keep thinking about, and, and this is having these high draft picks, and then when it's time to re-sign them, they don't. So what are they doing down there? What are you doing? They're, 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 their roster is weakened. They can talk all they want about, hey, we're cleaning house. We're, we're, trying to, you know, we're trying to build something down here. That hamster wheel, I'm thinking about the 2017, man, when that team was loaded, and they were a bad call away against the Patriots of going to the Super Bowl. And since then, it has been just chaos. You know, I like Gardner Minshew. I think he's someone, you know, everyone thought he was kind of a novelty because he had the Uncle Rico mustache, but he's a pretty good football player. And I like some of the, the young weapons they have. Josh Allen, the pass rusher, is going to be a stud. But what is the blueprint? Is it just to get a bunch of high draft picks and then not sign them again? You know, it's it's got to be frustrating being a Jaguars fan, knowing you were so close, and now you know that when you talk about that division, you've got no shot at winning, and then you're going to have high draft picks, and what are you going to do with them again? Is the coaching staff going to get fired? Is the GM going to get fired? You know, it, it seems like the same cycle with that organization every couple of years. And it's a shame because that fan base is, is really, really strong. I mean, they, they want a winner. Every team, every city wants a team to be a winner. But what that team has been kind of served, just an overall philosophy, has just got to make them want to go bang their heads as to what actually is going on. <laughs> Last team, the Washington football team for our listeners in our nation's capital on WHUR 96.3 HD2. I mean, it, it seems like every other week is something with the Washington football team. But, I mean, if you look at them from a ta- – you know, you have a new coach in Ron Rivera, Dwayne Haskins from everything I'm hearing looks good. That defense is going to look pretty good, I think. You know, your thoughts on what the Washington football team will look like? This is one where the, the pandemic and the media restrictions and everything has really kind of been a good fortune of the players because they're not getting badgered by questions – of all the impropriety that's going, gone on off the field um, so they can focus on football. To me, this is a team that's got, that's got a ways to go. They've got some nice talent. Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, you know, great, you know, a lot of talent on that defensive front. Jack Del Rio, the D.C., will get them playing well. They'll play with an attitude. They'll play with a purpose. But they've got holes on the offensive line big time. But we'll see what happens with the run game. You've got Adrian Peterson. 
And we'll see what happens to quarterback. You know, this is all a Scott Turner, who used to be down with Carolina. What's he going to do with Dwayne Haskins? Or, uh, you know, I don't know if Alex Smith is really going to be part of the hunt. Great story going on right there. But this is this is such a culture rebuild that's going on there. They're going to the, the Washington football team could have their ebbs and flows, and you know the things you saw out of Dwayne Haskins. The more he played last year, the better he looked. Um, but this is this is a process. You hear coaches talk about the process. This team's in a process because they've got a lot of things to go through, especially just the overhaul of the coaching staff. It, I think it's going to take a little bit for them to kind of get, get into the hunt in the NFC East. And, Steve, I want to get your thoughts. And, of course, we're talking with Steve Weich of NFL Network. I want to get your thoughts on John Thompson. You were in Washington for a period covering the Wizards for the Washington Post. Got to know John Thompson pretty well. Uh, what a man he was. I just want to get your thoughts on John. And what do you remember most about John Thompson? Well, what I remember about John Thompson the most is before I ever met him. You know, I'm a kid who grew up 35, 40 miles outside of St. Louis. You know, and, and our basketball is mainly Midwestern basketball, Indiana, Oklahoma, Missouri, Illinois. And all of a sudden you're watching, you know, games Georgetown against North Carolina. Like, what's Georgetown? Where's Georgetown? And then they come out and their their whole bench is black, right? From the 12th man to the coaching staff. The only white person you saw was the nun who sat next to John Thompson. <laughs> And the way they competed, and just physical. Remember, they got the Big East to add a sixth foul because these teams were, ended up becoming so physical. And what he did to groom men, there were the Prop 48 walk-off, um, to groom guys to graduate, the Patrick Ewings of the world, the Horace Broadnaxes, David Wingate, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, Allen Iverson, Charles Smith, just so many players to name. And... It was just amazing how he captured a culture, again, to where the Big East with Louis Carnesecca at St. John's. Okay, well, he's got to build his, his team, uh, you know, to, to meet this. in Villanova, you know, with the great champ game they had in the championship. How, just how he influenced the game, how players played, and then how players grew to men. Like, I grew to, you know, I covered the NBA for a while, and I covered Alonzo Mourning, and now I'm friends with Alonzo and Patrick Ewing and some of the guys who played for John. And just the men that they have become, and, and, and I think a lot of it was with his, his guiding hand. Um, so it's 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 heartbreaking. You know, I dealt with John a lot. He was doing media up there with the radio um, when I worked for the Washington Post. I was on his show a lot. We spoke a lot, and just just one of those people. Even if you were to never meet him, you have admiration for the way he carried himself, the way he was fearless and unforgiving, the way he represented black people, and look. Some of the stuff that we're seeing players and coaches and people talk about today, John was John was pumping in the early 80s. Um, he just didn't have social media to help him carry his message, but he's a man who stands proud. And this is a big loss for American history, not just black American history or sport. Yeah, no, very well said. Man, it's been a tough I – mean, it's been a tough 2020, but it's been a tough week. I mean, you talk about Chadwick Boseman, a fellow Howard uh, alum. I mean, you talk about an actor for our time. My goodness gracious. You know, your thoughts on, on our loss of, of, of Chadwick Boseman. It's just so crushing because he was young, um, 43 years old, but so inspiring because he was battling this colon cancer from the time he was 39. And he filmed these movies while he was sick and he filmed them of so many great icons, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown. And then the one he just, you know, those, those were kind of, you know, black 
movies, right, where it was usually a black audience who's just like, wow. But then when you see him, you know, do the Black Panther and how he just captured so much, the, the whole worldwide audience, you just you just felt the, the gutting of so many people when he passed, black, white, native, Latino, whatever, because he gave them a fictional superhero to feel in reality of what a king was like. Again, I mean, I, I just I think about when Kobe died earlier this year and how everybody was just, their knees buckled for days. And I think that's what we're seeing with Chadwick Boseman, too, because he didn't have a 20-year athletic playing career like we saw Kobe Bryant do. But he had in such a short time of being famous as an actor as much of an impact on Americana and, and in the thought processes and society. And again, as a fellow Howardite, you know, we always stand unified in everything. Um, and we stand unified in our sorrow for sure. Yeah. No, very, very tough. And then lastly, I mean, I want to talk about, so I've been, I've been following you on Twitter and I want to talk about the Huddle and Flow podcast. Yeah, yeah, me and Jim Trotter. Um, Jim Trotter, of course, fellow Howard Hunt. Um, we have more than 40 years of, uh, of NFL experience. You know, we, we've got a respected reputation in the business. Um, and, you know, it's rare. You've got not just two black men having a podcast, two black men who went to HBCUs. Our producer, Thomas Warren, is an HBCU graduate. Um, we've got the NFL to amplify it on its media platforms. It would be on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So we're going to be talking mainly NFL, right? But we're going to be talking about issues that oftentimes come from a black perspective, which a lot of people don't know. So we're talking in this era of empathy and understanding other people's perspectives, where we're going to start giving an audience other people's perspectives. And, you know, uh, we're going to open our first show that debuts September 8th. We're going to have Ron Rivera of the Washington Football Club and Anthony Lynn of the Los Angeles Chargers, a Latino and one of the three black NFL head coaches, to talk about certain issues. We're going to talk HBCU sports and the impact HBCUs have had on America. We will have entertainers, we will have media members on here to really talk about the tempest of culture, not just sports culture. And it's going to be a real awesome jambalaya of highbrow, fun, um, information, and just conversation that we think will really cross a lot of lines and really, you know, educate, inform, again, and, and, and just entertain whoever listens to it. It's going to be fantastic. The Huddle and Flow podcast, what an awesome name. And when does that start, uh, Steve? September 8th. It'll drop September 8th, and, of course, you can catch it. We're going to, it's going to be once a week. We're going to start off weekly, so it'll drop every Tuesday after that. And, uh, you know, please give us your feedback. We don't have a Huddle and Flow handle yet, but you can hit me at at Weich, W-Y-C-H-E, 89 on Twitter or on Instagram. And Jim Trotter's got some longer handles. you got to search it because all those underscores and all that type of stuff. <laughs> I think it's Jim underscore Trotter, like underscore 63 or something like that. But you can find him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I want you guys to check out Steve each and every week on NFL Network Inside training camp as well as NFL total access as Steve Weitz joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Always appreciate the time, Steve. Good luck with the podcast, and we'll catch up with you real soon. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. A conversation 
with NASCAR driver Kurt Busch and more on the life and the times of Chadwick Boseman is up next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You can always join us on the conversation. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X the number two R O W. You can also follow me on my and hit me up on my personal Twitter account at DWare1 at DWare1, or on my personal Instagram account at WhereDonald. Before we get to NASCAR driver Kurt Busch, again, Chadwick Boseman passing away last week at the age of 43, much too young, but an iconic figure and did so much during his short time on this earth. A proud graduate, as a matter of fact, of Howard University. And I had a chance back in 2014 to talk with him about what Howard University means to him what do you remember most about your days at howard uh my my times at howard howard is like one of those experiences where you know <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble you know it's a it's a special special moment like i had some great teachers uh felicia rashad was one of my teachers while i was there who was also a great person who was like a like a great actor that's come out of Howard and and um you know I just remember being nurtured um you know being nurtured to you know respect um black writers black directors black actors um black playwrights as as you know to differentiate between screenwriters and playwrights um as well as the classics so you got the full the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard that, um, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll learn Shakespeare, Pinter, Beckett. Um, you'll learn, you know, Aeschylus, Sophocles, and all those, those writers when you, when you're studying as an actor, but you don't learn your own writers, you know, your August Wilson's, your Richard Wesley's, your Ed Bullen's and, all those people that that um that come from your lineage and so i just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it wow an absolute huge loss in the hbcu community in the community at large and really across the world shockingly chadwick boseman passing away last week uh from colon cancer at the age 
of 43. Well, transitioning to NASCAR, the Cookout 600 in the 10-race playoff series for the NASCAR Cup Series Championship begins on Sunday at Darlington. It's the Cookout 600 and had a chance to catch up with Kurt Busch drives the number one for Chip Ganassi Racing. And at the age of 41, it's not saying he's retiring, but talking with him about putting his perspective in career as he prepares for Darlington. And one of the questions I asked him was about his experience in terms of racing in the Indianapolis 500 back in 2014. I was ready for that challenge. I was I was wanting to challenge myself uh, with with that effort, and you know to to prep for months in advance with extra workouts and changing my nutrition program to be able to run you know the Indy 500 and then that same day go to Charlotte and race in the the Coca Cola 600. You know it was an awesome adventure. I loved it. Um, you know the the respect from the other racers in IndyCar, uh, the friendships that I made from it. Uh, what what an incredible experience. Um, you know, I, I feel like I fulfilled all of my goals uh, by finishing sixth in that race because, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to have a shot at winning, but in all reality, you know, to go up against the best of the best and to try to just do one race, it's hard to beat those guys because they're that good, you know? Yeah, no question about it. Um, so can I take you? I, I don't like to keep taking you back, but, I mean, I think – you know, we got to put this thing in perspective. I mean, 2004, great year for you, Cup Series champion. What do you remember about that season? I mean, and that was like what your, I guess, your third or fourth season uh, full time. Yeah, what I remember the most about it is uh, the, the first year of the playoffs. You know, our sport, professional sports, with that playoff atmosphere. And I came in with that, that agenda, that, that laser focus for 10 weeks. And, you know, I think it, it changed the game. You know, the way that uh, we went through those 10 weeks and uh, had only one finish outside the top 10, uh, it, it caught everybody kind of off guard. I was able to, to get the championship over Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon and for that. So it's, it's neat to have that first one. It's been a while, but, hey, I'm in position again this year to, to, to win it, and we just got to execute the same way. Last couple of thoughts. You mentioned Jimmy Johnson. This is his last year. What are you going to remember most about racing? I mean, I know you mentioned 2004, get besting him for the championship, but what are you going to remember most about racing against him? I'll remember the legacy between him uh, and, and Chad Knauss of, of that powerful combination of one of the, the best that the, the sport's ever seen as far as crew chief and driver combo. Uh, that, that's what I'll remember the most. Those guys, they executed like surgeons at all you know um, super speedways road courses short tracks you name it uh, it just seemed like they just had a, a a competitive advantage for over a decade and, and those two will definitely go down in the history books as the most powerful combo ever and then finally kurt and we appreciate the time i mean i know we got the playoffs i mean and this may not be on your mind but i gotta ask i mean 20 full-time seasons uh, on the uh, in in NASCAR in racing in in a, in a plethora uh, uh, where, you, where you talk about Xfinity, you know we mentioned Indianapolis 500, etc. Any thoughts on uh, you retiring anytime soon? You know, I, I just kind of roll with it. You know, I'm, I'm having a good time and, and, and 
with a competitive team right now. And like you said, my 20th year, who knows what the future we're having fun with and I'm smiling and uh, I know I can't race forever. And I know I'm in a good spot in my career to try to teach, you know, new crew members and teach uh, new engineers, you know, some of the old school ways of how I was doing it here or doing it there. Uh, so we'll see, you know, next year we'll, we'll know more. Um, I definitely want to challenge myself to try to drive the, the next gen car in NASCAR and that's coming out in 2022 so we'll see how things progress but right now i'm just loving it having fun and uh, focused on these 10 weeks 10 race cup series playoff starts sunday at darlington it's the cookout southern 500 6 p.m eastern on nbc sports network kurt bush drives the number one for chip ganassi racing joins us here on from the press box to press row kurt we appreciate the time good luck to you and your team in the playoff thank you my friend appreciate you guys having me on So, Kurt Busch looking forward to the cookout 600 again this Sunday at Darlington. And you can watch the race on NBC Sports Network at 6 p.m. Eastern time. As mentioned, 2020 undoubtedly one of the tougher years. I mean, you're talking about, we again, started out Kobe Bryant got the bad news of his tragic passing, the coronavirus. So many have passed away. Uh, this year, Lute Olson, former head coach, uh, most notably with the Arizona Wildcats, led the Wildcats to the national championship in 1997. I mean, just so many people have passed away in 2020. Got to continue to keep our heads up. And, you know, again, John Thompson meant uh, I never had a chance to meet John Thompson, to talk with John Thompson But again, having grown up in the Washington area, and I know a lot of people have shared perspective. If you lived in the Washington area, and and really think about it, the culture of what he was able to establish at Georgetown University. Think about Georgetown University in the black community across the nation. Like everybody from L.A. to Pittsburgh, for example, those in Oklahoma, I mean, everywhere wore Georgetown paraphernalia. A lot of it is particularly in the black community. Very Georgetown was huge. okay, because of what John Thompson was able to create. I think I believe it was a 30 30 piece that ESPN did on the Big East was absolutely phenomenal. And John Thompson as big a part of the success of the Big East as anyone again first black coach to lead a team to the division one national championship of victory win of course three times and heartbreakingly lost the other two but john thompson an absolute icon and put georgetown really on the map in the black community got to get ready to wrap it up here on from the press box to press row thank you to steve white for joining us on the program also thank you to kurt bush as well for more information on the program, log on to our website at boxtorow.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Want you guys to have a safe and wonderful Labor Day weekend. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications.